Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for August 22nd is the book of Jeremiah, chapters 46 through 48, dealing with the prophetic words given to and about the nations surrounding Jerusalem and the tribe of Judah, the southern kingdom, the remnant of the Hebrew people. And it's important for me, it's maybe useful is a better word. It's useful for me when I read these prophetic words to think about the already but not yet view of many prophetic words. And what that refers to, as many of you already know, is that many prophecies have been fulfilled on some level, but have not yet been fully fulfilled on every level that God was referring to when he spoke them. Some prophetic words are already fulfilled from a historical perspective, and yet prophetically and spiritually speaking, or symbolically, are still being worked out among the body of Christ or among believers even today. So as we look at these words, let's remember them for their history and the people groups, the nations that are represented here, but let's also think about them spiritually on a metaphysical or a transphysical or a supernatural level, okay? So in 46, when it starts talking about the prophecies against Egypt, we have to think about what does Egypt represent? What happened to the people of Israel, the tribes, the descendants of Jacob, who became Israel in Egypt? They went into slavery. They began to grow, to populate, to propagate. And over time, Pharaoh and the people became afraid of them and decided to enslave them. And it's no secret, it's not new to you to think about the idea that Pharaoh, as a legitimate historical figure, as a man, also represented a spiritual truth as Satan, as a taskmaster. As the people of Israel began asking, Moses kept going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. We want to go out and worship God, our God, Yahweh. What did Pharaoh do? He said, you have time, essentially. You have time to think about your God. Let me give you more work to do. And if you have more work to do, then maybe you won't want to go out and worship God any longer. And that's a spiritual picture. It's a historical set of actual facts that happened, but it's also a spiritual picture of what happens when we in our, in our spiritual journeys begin to come out of bondage to sin and we have a desire to go and worship God. Satan distracts us and he gives us more work to do. Oh, is making bricks with hay not enough to keep you busy? Now gather your own hay. Go make bricks without us supplying the hay. Let's double your workload. 
And that's why so many who start off and they receive the word of God with joy, they then turn from that. They get distracted by the things going on in this world. That's what the enemy wants to do, to distract us. So these words about Egypt, they're not only physically, literally historical words about the nation of Egypt that existed 2,600 years ago. They're also words about the spiritual realities that Egypt exists to show us about, to teach us about. Egypt and the army, Pharaoh Necho, Egypt's king, which was defeated at Carchemish on the Euphrates River by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in the fourth year of Judah's king, Jehoiakim, son of Josiah. So it's a historical fact. It's a series of historical events. And yet there's a spiritual reality and dynamic to these prophetic words. In verse 6, it says, The swift cannot flee. The warrior cannot escape. They stumble and they fall. And it's telling us prophetically that the demons that seek to enslave us, the minions of Satan that seek, that seek to distract us, to keep us from growing spiritually, will not be able to run, hide, or escape the wrath of God that is coming in the future. Verse 15 talks about the word Yahweh spoke to Jeremiah about the coming king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to defeat the land of Egypt. Babylon, as you know, is the land of confusion. In the Tower of Babel account in, in Genesis, God confused the languages of the people so as to scatter them and the word Babel really means to confuse. Babylon is confusion. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of confusion. He was also a literal king, historically existing in a land called Babylon. But spiritually, Babylon is confusion. God will use confusion to defeat the enemy of our souls. So think about it as you're reading these chapters today. Think about Egypt being our bondage to sin. Babylon is confusion. It's not good to be in a state of confusion. God did not give us that. He provided it as a way to force us to draw near to him, but also to defeat the enemy. But God has not given us a spirit of confusion. He's given it to the enemy. In chapter 47, it talks about the Philistines and what God is doing in the Philistine, the land of the Philistines. The word that the Philistines or Philistia comes from is can be defined as to rule, to um, roll, or to wallow. And it's 
people used by God to discipline the Israelites when they fell into sin. So to roll around, to wallow, it's like this sadness. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm just wallowing in my own sorrow. That is like the root word from which we get the word Philistia or the Philistines, Philistine being the name of the people from that region. So I believe that this is like, spiritually speaking, the Philistines are like the people who are, the Philistines are like the demonic activity that is seeking to punish us for our sins. And if you look at the history of Israel, whenever the people would go into sin, what would happen? The Philistines would attack. Even back to the judges, David defeated Goliath, who was a Philistine. When the people would go into sin, God would raise up the Philistines to go after them. Happened against again and again. And in chapter 48, we read about Moab. Where did Moab come from? It was that Moab was the descendants, the nation descended from Lot's incest with his daughter. And the word Moab can mean from the father. And so this is the people who are descended from the people of God. Lot was a relative of Abram who became Abraham. And I would refer to Moab as the land of all most. If you read through here, you will see it talks about the coast land. Moab was where the Israelites, after wandering in the desert, the wilderness for almost 40 years, it's where they rested and they received final instructions before entering into the promised land. It's where Moses died and was buried in Moab. It was the final resting place and place of preparation prior to entering into the promised land. It's the land of almost. And there are words in this book, in this chapter 48, that talk about the, the coastland. And what is a coast? It's the, it's the meeting place between the sea and the land. And prophetically speaking, the land refers to the people of God in much of scripture. And the sea refers to the masses of humanity. And so the coastland is the in-between. It's the crossing over point where one meets the other. Verse seven, because you trust in your works and treasure, treasures, you will be captured also. Now, there's a portion of verse 40, chapter 47 where the people of God, Israel, the remnant, is assured, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to discipline you, but I will not destroy you, God says. Everyone else gets destroyed. All of the other lands get destroyed. Moab's horn is chopped off in verse 25. His arm is shattered. The horn refers to the leader. The leader of Moab will be destroyed. 
The arm refers to the things that one does or the works that they do. And the works will be ended. The leadership will be ended. Both will fall short. Reminds me of Revelation where Jesus says, I would rather you have been hot or cold, but because you are neither, you are lick lukewarm, you make me sick, and I will spew you from my mouth. Let us not be one or the other, my friends. God is calling us to a place of holiness, a place of dedication, a place of being fully on the path to sanctification. None of us do it perfectly, of course. But all of us strive, or at least we should, to become fully like him as much as we can because it's the only thing we can take with us into the future, into the next life. We cannot take our material possessions. We can't even take our material body. We will take our memories and our character. And our character is what it will be. Because the demonic, which are used to expose our weaknesses, will not exist in that next realm. So let us grow all we can while we can for the glory of God and for the advancement of his kingdom. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Please like, subscribe, and consider sharing if this blesses you at all. We'll see you tomorrow.